0: This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 267. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined this uh, session by
1: producer Matthew Marister. Hey, what's up, guys? What's up, dude? Uh, nothing, just getting over this. Uh, well, I hope I'm getting over it, this aching flu-like symptoms I've had. So sa- if same I sound a little, if I sound a little out of it, it's because uh, the medication I'm taking, the cold medication, is pretty strong. So <laughs> sa- same here, man. Uh, I- I've had like the same like achy,
0: just not not just not feeling good. Yeah, but you sound good, and it's really, you sound sa- you sound normal. I could tell I'm like like lower (laughs) yeah a little easily i've been slamming the oj you know vitamin c of course i was slamming oj before i got sick too because i like it and it didn't make any difference then so i doubt it's gonna make any difference now but uh anyway hey we're, we're just happy to be here uh today is the news episode of the week and we've got let me tell you a whole bunch of really great stories this week um I'm not gonna preview them just because of time. We've got a lot to cover, and I have to be done for sure within an hour <laughs> for this episode because we have a quarterly meeting for our company every every quarter, and uh, today is is that meeting, and it starts here in a little more than an hour. So, alrighty, let's get rolling. Hmm. Today's episode is brought to you by Ammo Supply Warehouse, which you can find at Ammosupplywarehouse.com. Uh, we just placed another order with those guys uh, a couple days ago, so super excited to be working with them. Uh, really, really great quality ammunition. They got a bunch of different uh, types that you can choose from. I personally really like the Fiocchi ammunition. We've been shooting that a bunch lately, and uh, it's good stuff. Really, 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 really good stuff. And uh, Guardian Nation members save an, an additional 5% off of already really amazing pricing at AmmoSupplyWarehouse.com. So, If you're not a Guardian Nation member, well, you should look into that at GuardianNation.com. And then go on over to AmmoSupplyWarehouse.com and place your next order. Because, I mean, you need ammo, right? Everybody needs ammo. And right now, by the way, right now is the time to buy. Because if for some reason, and it better not, because you guys better get out and vote. But if for some reason these elections coming up here in a little more than, what is it, a little more than a week... Do I have that right? Or maybe it's two weeks. I can't remember exactly where I'm at on the calendar. <laughs> but if the election doesn't go yeah, you know, like our way as local. far as uh, gun rights are concerned, well, maybe now is the time to buy ammo because you never know when the next ammo scarcity scare is going to come. Uh, Plus it makes
1: a good stocking, stock, uh, stocking stuffer.
0: Yeah, of course. Right. Boy, I sure <laughs> hope I find uh, ammo <laughs> under the tree this year or in my stocking. <laughs> right. Yes. Please, Santa. Please. All right. Mm So uh, today's episode. Also, I wanted to just mention that uh, we've been working on this home defense course. And we've got a story today that just like drives that whole concept home. (laughs) Let me tell you. It's a crazy story. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting that one because everything we talk about and, and, and cover in that home defense course. And we'll give you more details on, on what's going on with that and when that's going to hit you know, the streets. But, uh, yeah, it, it just, boy, it just drives it all home. So, all righty. Let us get into things here. But first, we do have this week's case of the week from Andrew Branca. So let me cue that up now. Let me tell you, as always, uh, it's a good one. And it's a good one because it's relevant and it's recent because this one is about that recent uh, situation where the store owner in uh, Florida used deadly force to stop a guy that was stealing a hatchet. And I'm pretty sure many of you who have been following the news know the, the the one I'm talking about. So Andrew's got some thoughts for us on that. So keep queuing it up now. <laughs>
2: Thanks for joining us for the Law of Self-Defense Case of the Week. I'm attorney Andrew Branca for LawofSelfDefense.com. This case of the week involves the use of deadly force against a shoplifter who was stealing a hatchet. On October 3rd, 2018, Michael Dunn, a city commissioner for the city of Lakeland, Florida, shot and killed Cristobal Lopez as Lopez was shoplifting a hatchet from Dunn's store. The shooting occurred as Dunn was attempting to stop Lopez from leaving the store with the hatchet. The struggle at the door, the shooting, and the rapid demise of Lopez were all captured on the store security recording, which you can view by pointing your browser to lawofselfdefense.com forward slash done. That's D-U-N-N, done. The facts of this case involve issues of both defensive property and defensive person. In this instance, the defense of property issue is limited to the defense of least defensible, meaning tangible property, rather than the defense of highly defensible property, such as a dwelling, which provides for more relaxed conditions for the use of deadly force. The tangible property in this instance is the hatchet that Lopez was attempting to shoplift. The use of force in defense of tangible property is governed by Florida law, by statute 776031, which you can view by pointing your browser to lawofselfdefense.com forward slash 776031. Florida statute 776031 allows for the use of force in defense of property against a person who's attempting to commit criminal interference, for example, theft, of that property. Here, Dunn clearly had right of possession to the hatchet in the store, and Lopez's attempt to steal that hatchet was also clearly criminal interference with that property. Accordingly, Dunn was entitled to use force against Lopez to the extent necessary to prevent Lopez's criminal interference with that property, the theft. However, 776031 explicitly provides that whatever degree of force is used in defense of such tangible property, the use of deadly force is not permissible. Shooting and killing Lopez unambiguously qualifies as deadly force, so Dunn cannot justify his use of deadly force as defense of property. This leaves Dunn with defense of persons as his sole remaining legal justification for his use of deadly force. Florida has several statutes dealing with the use of deadly defensive force in defensive persons, including statute 776012, which you can see by pointing your browser to lawofselfdefense.com forward slash 776012, and statute 782.02, which you can see by pointing your browser to lawofselfdefense.com forward slash 78202. In summary, both 776012 and 78202 that provide for the use of deadly defensive force in defensive persons require that either the defender be facing an imminent threat of death or great bodily harm or that he be resisting an attempt by that other person to commit a murder or felony, forcible felony upon him. In viewing the surveillance video, however, it's not at all clear that Dunn's use of deadly force at the moment it was used was necessary to prevent his own death or great bodily harm or his murder or forcible felony upon him. Although Lopez may have held the hatchet, a potentially deadly weapon, in his right hand, that hand was extended away from Dunn and was being used to open the store's door in an apparent effort to escape with the stolen property. And the hatchet was not being held or wielded in a threatening manner, nor to murder Dunn or commit a felony upon Dunn. A video of the two men's relative positions at the moment Dunn shot Lopez can be viewed by pointing your browser to lawofselfdefense.com forward slash Dunn, D-U-N-N. The facts of this case, as we know them so far then, do not legally justify Dunn's use of deadly force upon Lopez. Given the binary nature of justification defenses, should Dunn's justification claim fail, he's left with 100% criminal liability for killing Lopez. Indeed, if his claim merely appears vulnerable to attack, that alone may be sufficient to encourage prosecution. The technical legal details aside, it's also worth asking what I urge all my students and clients to contemplate. Will that use of force have been worth it? In this case, Dunn killed Lopez over a $16 hatchet. Even if no charges are ever brought against Dunn, he still exposed himself to at least the potential of a murder trial, not to mention having to live with killing a man over $16. And should charges be brought and Dunn is convicted, he faces perhaps the rest of his life in prison over a $16 hatchet. I expect it isn't hard for anyone listening to this to come up with other ways Dunn could have dealt with Lopez's theft that includes a reasonable prospect of recovering the hatchet without resulting in Lopez's death and Dunn's potential criminal prosecution. If you enjoy this content, I invite you to join us for the Law of Self-Defense live show every Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern. It's totally free to either participate live or to watch the recording after each show. For more information, point your browser to lawofselfdefense.com forward slash show. I also encourage you to visit our Law of Self-Defense Patreon page where we have free Law of Self-Defense blog content and optional higher value paid content for just $4.99 a month, plus For patrons, a free copy of our best-selling book, The Law of Self-Defense, or a DVD. Your choice. Find all that at lawofselfdefense.com forward slash Patreon. Remember, you carry a gun so you're hard to kill. Know the law so you're hard to convict. I'm attorney Andrew Branca for lawofselfdefense.com.
0: Well... What do you think about that man?
1: Yeah, really. I mean, and timing is so so awesome because um I, I don't know if you were thinking this the same thing, but as I was listening to the to the story or to the incident and uh Andrew like explain it, um I was kind of thinking about the post that was posted on social media um about can you shoot somebody in the back. And all the comments that were in there, and if you know, you guys that are listening, you know, if you if you guys check that out um, on on the ConcealedCarry Facebook page, um, but you'll see the, the comments in there, and it's unfortunate that some people don't really understand the big picture, and you know, it, this is explains it perfectly because a lot of times people think like, well, if they have a if they have a weapon, it's done deal. I'm shooting them, you know, or if they do this or that. I'll shoot him and let, you know, I'll, I'll deal with the consequences later. And it's like, that's the bad That's a bad mentality to have. It means you have no forethought at all about what's going on and you're likely to make a really bad decision. And Mm -hmm. like, like he explained it perfectly, like, okay, maybe he is going to not be charged or maybe he, if he's charged, you know, he's not convicted. Um, But like, is, is that a wise choice? You know, was it a wise choice to start going down that road or was there something else he could have done? And a lot of times there is something else. And and, and if you think about it, it makes sense. Like when do we use daily force? It's always as a last resort. It's not like, you know, almost the last resort or I tried something and that didn't really work. And then I could have tried something else, but I'm going to use, it's always the last resort. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, if you look at it that way, this was, was really unnecessary. I, you know, yep. um, so yeah. I just, I, <clears throat> well, you know,
0: once again, it was pointed out, uh, it was, you know, over a hatchet initially, that's how it started. Now, what I find interesting, and I know that probably, <clears throat> you know, what this guy is going to try to say is that, uh, well, this man was armed, right? Mm-hmm. He had a hatchet. Right. He knew he had a hatchet. So, you know, that's why he, you know, needed to use deadly force. But what's interesting is the thief is trying to leave the store. And if you watch that video closely, the store owner actually grabs his shirt as the you know, he he comes to the man with gun in hand, at meets him at the door, and of course they're exchanging words and whatnot, and he is grabbing the shirt of that man and trying to keep he's trying to restrain him. Right. Right. And so then he gets, you know, to a point where for whatever reason he feels like he's gotta pull the trigger because suddenly, oh, hey, there's a threat. But the reality is, the man's trying to leave the store with the with the with the hatchet, and the store owner is basically trying to keep him there. So he he he, he just he that, to me that was like the most telling thing from this whole situation is the fact like that tells you exactly what the mindset of the store owner was was mm-hmm. I can't let this man get away, and then because we have an altercation, oh now now I'm justified. Now I got to use you know deadly force. So mm-hmm. anyway, all right, <clears throat> we'll follow that case. I'm sure the uh, man's been charged. Uh, there's going to be a trial, I'm sure, but I don't. I'm not optimistic for for him. Uh, I think there's some pretty pretty telling things of that that's in that case. It's going to be difficult for him to defend, but we'll see. You never know. All right, <clears throat> we actually had a listener here on Facebook uh, asking about uh, or commenting, you know, about how. Still, carry permit fees can be so often expensive and how it seems like the trend is that they're going up a lot of times and Hey, it's a second amendment, you know, right type issue. And thus those fees should be like super cheap or non-existent at all. And well, certainly I, 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 I hear you, buddy. <clears throat> um, I, I don't know about if there's a trend, if they're going up or not uh, right here where I live locally uh, in Colorado, Colorado is, Kind of expensive, I, I think. There's definitely a lot of other states that are a lot cheaper than Colorado. Um, California definitely is not cheaper. California is one of the more expensive, most expensive places to get a permit. But uh, here in Colorado, uh, the the statute reads as such that the county that processes the permits can charge up to one hundred dollars. They could they can charge any amount, but it can't exceed a hundred dollars. And then the state mandates that the state charges an additional $52.50 that they say is for a background check, which is curious to me because I've been involved in other capacities and background checks, and I know they don't actually cost $52.50, but that's that's the amount. So <clears throat> basically in Colorado, most areas are $152.50. So for some of you listening, you you might be going, oh, thank goodness I don't live in Colorado. Fortunately for me, I have a really awesome sheriff that uh, a couple years ago decided to lower the permit uh, application cost. The sheriff before that also did something a little bit less, but the, the, then the next one was like, you know what? We're just going to make it $100 even. So out of that comes the fifty-two fifty, and so forty-eight fifty goes to the county. But anyway, so here's a really cool story. In Pennsylvania, state representative looks to eliminate concealed carry fees. Now, I wish I could say this was for everybody. The reality is that... Uh, State Representative David Zimmerman, he wants to eliminate the concealed carry fee currently charged for applicants who are, and they fit one of these two categories, honorably discharged veterans, awesome, or 65 years old and older. All right, so senior citizens and or honorably discharged veterans of the military, he wants to eliminate concealed carry fees for those for those classes of people. I think that's awesome. I would support that. Uh I wish I could say it was for everybody across the board, but all right, you know what that's pretty cool so uh a little bit of good news at least for folks of and this is not not happening for sure yet. this is just one of the representatives wants he's proposing a bill to to do this all right, so we'll see what happens,
1: yeah, for sure. I mean, I can't add anything to that other than like as a veteran, that's pretty, that'd be pretty cool. But um, yeah, it makes sense, right? Paul comments, what if you're both, which
0: I, yeah, uh, well, it's going to be free. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think the state's going to give you money, you know, for getting a permit because you meet both classes. Sorry. It doesn't work that way.
1: I mean, if if you get a, if you get a discount at IHOP for being a senior (laughs) citizen, I don't see what, what, you know, why you shouldn't get one for wanting to defend yourself. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Why don't you tell us, Matthew, about this uh, a judge dismisses NRA lawsuit over Seattle's new gun storage law?
1: Yeah. So obviously you guys know that these gun storage laws have been coming, uh, you know, popping up across the country in different ways, like being proposed and some actually have already been enacted. I mean, uh, I think New Jersey's has been enacted for quite a quite a while, um, at least a, several years, um, but they're gaining a little bit more popularity um the the thing is is the n r a filed a lawsuit saying you know obviously that it it wasn't is was unconstitutional and things like that um the The judge threw it out and dismissed it not on the grounds that you know the that these laws are unconstitutional or that they're wrong or they're unenforceable or anything like that. They just said that the n r a lacks standing in filing the lawsuit, so what they're basically saying is like um they can't be. The the plaintiff in this suit because they don't they don't have a direct connection to it, um, so and so um, there was some other statements that were made that kind of indicate that even if it were to go forward that it probably the NRA probably would have lost in this one that um, they think that these you know storage uh, laws are you know actually work and are good ideas and things like that so. Um, you know, keep, especially with the, with the midterms coming up and just be, be aware of like what, what you're, who you're voting for and what their feelings of on these types of issues are, because these are easily going to become kind of like the next wave of like, um, oh, this is common sense. We need this. And, and, and I think they're, you know, I don't think that they are necessarily, their intention is good, but I don't necessarily think that they're going to uh, the result is going to be what they intend, what yeah. they believe is going to be.
0: One thing I found interesting was this judge's logic. Well, two things. I mean, first he said, well, the law, the law hasn't actually taken effect yet. So we can't rule on it yet. But, you know, they, that's the first thing. And I've, I've seen that logic used in a couple other cases over the years. And it does not make sense to me. The law is passed. The law is going to go into effect. So mm-hmm. why can't we proactively look at the law as though it is in effect? I don't know. That doesn't make sense to me. The second thing is that he said, well, the, the NRA itself and Second Amendment F- Foundation believes and encourages their members in storing their guns safely. So, like, kind of kinda as though, like, so why do you have an issue with this? <laughs> and it's like – um, We don't have an issue with people storing guns safely. In fact, we want that. We have an issue with laws where those individuals can be charged with crimes and, or fined exorbitant amounts of money for violation of those crimes and possibly also an issue with the fact that how do we enforce that? Um, and, in, and I realize in most cases it's, it's enforced after the fact, after a crime, ha- you know, some sort has, has happened or occurred or an incident of some sort where a child, someone has gotten a hold of a gun and they've used it and accidentally shot themselves or somebody else. Um, but it, this is just another step towards that, that side of, well, we require people to store guns safely. And what they do in New York City is they come in like once a year to inspect your safe and make sure that you're actually in compliance. And that's where this goes if we're not careful. And I guarantee you there's people in Seattle that are totally okay with that because gun owners are viewed as nasty, dirty, terrible people for, for owning guns in a society where these people put their you know heads in the sand and think, we don't need guns. Nor do we need apparently large, high-capacity magazines <clears throat> by their definition um, <clears throat> as opposed to standard capacity magazines. This is a story on guns.com court upholds Colorado 15 shot magazine limit. All right. So this one affects me personally, as far as I'm a resident of Colorado and uh, almost immediately from the time that they passed uh, several years ago, it's been about five years now uh, they passed the 15 round limit uh, law here in Colorado. And that caused Magpul and a couple other companies to, to leave the state and take their business elsewhere. As far as ma- the manufacturing and, and, and whatnot of, of, of those magazines so a uh, couple of people and organizations, uh, Rocky Mountain Gun Owners, one of those, National Association of Gun Rights, another one. Actually, they're, back, they're basically the same organization. Those that aren't in the know, uh, <clears throat> both of those are headed by uh, Dudley Brown, who's a controversial figure in our local gun rights community. And then also Second Amendment Foundation was involved in this lawsuit as well. And the, Second Amendment, the Second Amendment Foundation is, is remarkable in that they, they are really the financial backing on so many things that occur across the country with uh, these types of uh, lawsuits uh, against uh, you know, anti-gun laws. So we appreciate them and what they do in, in that regard. Um, but basically what they try to argue is that, hey, this magazine capacity law uh, goes against the Colorado State Constitution. And uh, they have a pretty, pretty good case there, I think. But uh, unfortunately, uh, the Colorado Court of Appeals did not feel that's the case. So there's a three-judge panel that unanimously uh, did not go along with this suit. They, they said, nope, the law is okay. It's it's not. In fact, there was some interesting logic in this one, too. And the logic was essentially, this was Judge David Richman. He said, uh, no one that they didn't, the plaintiffs failed to present evidence that anyone in Colorado has ever fired even close to 15 rounds in self-defense <laughs> thus we're not violating any go. So it's, it's a, there are, there, his argument is, is kind of self-defense based. That if it was, if this law was going to potentially affect self-defense situations, then uh, then that might be a constitutional issue. But because no one's ever fired close to 15 rounds in self-defense, then this this you know that 15-round limit is a reasonable limit. Curiously enough, now this may not have happened long enough ago to have been included in this case, but we just had a situation in Colorado a month or two or three ago. It's been fairly recently. And you'll recall, uh, Matthew, I'm, I'm fairly certain, that uh, this was the case where a uh, retired or off-duty cop from a California, I think, was visiting Colorado. And there was a crazy dude that was driving around up in the National Forest and visiting campgrounds and shooting randomly at people until he encountered this, this cop who had not one, but like two AR 15s. And I know that he went through like, I know he went through at least one full magazine because it says that he had to get a, you know, another mag or another gun. So yeah, no one's ever fired more than 15 rounds of self defense. That's, that's bull crap. But anyway, Mm -hmm. all right. So there you go. Sorry, Coloradans, uh, but there's talk that they will push this up the chain and continue to fight this case. We'll see how that goes. So this next story, and this is one I added uh, to the outline today, Matthew. And so I'll, I'll kind of take. No, wait, no, I'm, I'm I'm jumping ahead here. Why don't you tell us about this? Pelosi promises Stoneman Douglas survivors universal background checks will be top priority if Democrats win the House. A story on the sunsentinel.com. dot <laughs> com.
1: Right, right. I know you're a big fan of Pelosi. Oh, I Probably love, I love was, the woman. Yeah, I, I
0: learned I learned from this article that she has five children, and I have five kids, so we can relate on one thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, um, so Nancy Pelosi promises South Florida gun control activists that universal background checks would be among Democrats' top priorities if the party wins control of the House in midterm elections. So she's um, likely or supposedly if they win the House back um, to be uh, Speaker of the House. Um, so this is why she's kind of like taking up this, you know, this torch. Um, and I understand politicians say stuff all the time, promise this and that, but, um, what's, what's interesting is that, um, she says, this is going to be a priority. Um, will it be a priority? I don't know, but I, I think it's going to be one of the high priorities because it seems that the democratic platform they're not in touch with the what is important to most people and the voters and so um obviously like healthcare and jobs and and and, um immigration those types of things are the most across the board across the board polling americans um those are the big issues but she says that the democratic democrats uh priority is going to be this issue which actually is not as favorable um as what she believes as far as um across americans um uh you know where they rank it as importance and if they're in favor of it so universal background checks there's more people um that support universal background checks than uh support a um uh, uh assault weapons ban but um but they're still kind of pushing this together. And I think that this is, um, might be a little bit of rhetoric and just campaign promises type thing, but Mm -hmm. they're certainly, this is certainly in the back of their minds and always, um, always something that they're trying to get into other, other legislation somehow, some way. So whether it's going to be their primary top priority, she might just be saying that, I don't know, but it's definitely a priority. Um,
0: so here's what I think is just remarkable about this whole situation. You've got this this beautifully uh, written article. Uh, and by the way, I don't want to take anything away from the uh, survivors or victims of Parkland. Uh, that was a terrible, terrible thing that occurred. Okay, And I wish that didn't happen. I don't wish that on anybody. And uh, these, these children had to deal with the uh, aftermath of this for the rest of their lives, which is terrible. But I'm going to blow this all up in... One very simple argument, and what there's several quotes here, you know, touching on this is U.S. Representative Ted Deutsch, I think is how you say his name, and he he said, uh, oh, not him actually, sorry, he he's involved in this too, along with Nancy Pelosi, but then you have uh, Manuel Oliver, who is one of the fathers of one of the victims, and uh, my heart goes out to him as well. Uh, But he references Nancy Pelosi and and the fact that she has five kids along with nine grandchildren. And he tells her, now I have to save your kids because it's too late to save mine. And then going on, universal background, this is not quoting him directly, but universal background checks would close the so-called gun show loophole. And uh, the, the argument here is that we have to have universal background checks because that will make your kids more safe we will mm-hmm. save lives you know we have to do this for the kids because i i it's too late to save my child says says the one father i have to now save yours i have to work to save yours and your universal background checks is is boy that's that's the one thing that's going to do it but the irony of this whole argument and this whole article and this whole situation is that two things because they touch on gun shows the loophole and they touch on universal background checks number 1 the gun used in parkland was not even purchased at a gun show. Number two, it was purchased after having passed a background check. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So, hmm. Not sure how this is solving. You know, it's like the victims and and those that are behind this parkland thing, uh, and once again, I I feel for them, but... (laughs) they're arguing for something that would not have prevented the, that original event from occurring in the first place. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, they're welcome to argue for that. It's just there is a big-time flaw in, the, in some of the logic here. Speaking of Parkland, here's another w- crazy thing. This just came out in the last week, another article on the Sun Sentinel. Title of the article, School Shooter Tormented His Mother, Yet She Escorted Him to Buy an AK-47. Ridiculous. Mm. Okay. All right, let's get into this a little bit. This is quite a quite a lengthy article. I wish I could just read it all because the whole article is interesting, I think. Uh, just it, my, I wanted to like make my eyes wanted to bleed reading this because it just is insane, but here's here's how it goes down. Nicholas Cruz's mom thought he was crazy. To put it simply, his mom thought he was crazy. She acknowledged that. she told friends. That she didn't think he'd ever be able to live on his own; that she would, he would have to stay and live at home for the rest of his life. Um, she knew that he had a strong affinity for guns, to the point of like being extreme, but yet she still encouraged him. In other words, I don't think she said, "Son, you need to go buy a gun," but it was <laughs> she allowed him to feed this fetish that he had. Okay, So she knew that he was not mentally totally 100% and also, by the way, having got to this point yet, violent because he had been violent with his mother numerous times, beating his mother severely in some cases, causing, I think it said something about her teeth or jaw or something. I don't remember exactly where that said that, but uh Yeah. Nicholas Cruz here says, knocked out some of his mother's teeth and she was still paying the $2,000 dental bills when she died. This is a boy that had some serious problems with violence and with fantasizing about violence. His mother knew this, but yet still went with him to the gun store to buy an AK-47. Now, interestingly enough, he didn't use that in like, Because he actually used an AR-15, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's not the same gun. But the point is, like, there's some serious problem here, right now. Maybe mom did this. Maybe she went with him to the gun store at you know because he threatened her if she didn't go along with it. But I, I don't know that that's necessarily the case here. I don't know. There's just something not quite right about that whole situation. But what it tells me, Matthew, is that we all as parents, as neighbors, as friends, we all have to be respo- you know, we have to be responsible. Um and what this mother's actions, I'm sorry, were not responsible in this regard. You know there's mm-hmm. something wrong with your son? You you don't go with him to the gun store and allow him to to buy a gun. The, 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 some other irony here is that she went with him to the store. He he bought the gun. I'm trying to find exactly, see. And something about, was there, is there a wait? There's not a waiting period in Florida, is there, to pick up a gun? No. But it talked about him going back to pick it up. And she called, where was that part of
1: the story? Yeah, so a third paragraph.
0: Oh, yeah, here we go. So she, that's right. So an employee, it says, from a gun shop told detectives, this is in the aftermath of the investigation of Parkland, that an older woman who he thought was Cruz's grandmother, but was likely his mother, Linda, because she's fair. She was fairly. She was a little bit older for you know his age and being a mother and stuff. But he, she came with him to the to the shop where Cruz bought an AK forty seven. He was eighteen years old at the time. And then it says that woman later called the store and asked that the gun not be released to him if she wasn't present because he's just young and I just want to make sure he's safe and everything. She told the clerk, but the clerk was like, um. Sorry, ma'am. It's not how it works. He's 18. He's passed a background check. He can he can take the gun. Mm-hmm. So like, that's why I was like, there's not a waiting period because it's weird. that They went to the store. He bought it, but then it had to be released to him. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, so it, it's probably something to do with reporting, too. It's not always super well done.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Anyway, I got that all out. Uh, just more details about this whole Parkland thing, and uh, once again reinforces the fact we know that he purchased guns, passing background checks, and apparently at the uh, with the approval or the okay from his mother, and then that was used in a crime. Where now they're trying to say we need universal background checks to prevent from happening in
1: the future. But anyway, what are your thoughts, man? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I can't really add much, but what I will, what I will say is like, I understand that the con like where the mother's coming from. And I'm not saying I agree with it, but I, I, I can kind of, because I see this in other areas with parents is that like, especially they would call the police and I'd show up and they'd say, you know, can you just tell my son that you know, he has to go to school or he can't talk to me that way. And I'm like, I'm not his parents. You know, um, if he did something, well, he hit me, he did this and that. Well, do you want him arrested? Well, no, I just want him to talk to you. Well, you know, that's not the the, the, the place for law enforcement. So some of the parents are there, they want their children to get discipline, and they want them to, to, to somehow be held accountable for what they're doing, but they don't want to make it. So they get arrested or they get a, you know, tarnish on the record moving forward or something. So they're, they're stuck in this, like, I, I don't know what to do. Like, I, do I appease my, my kids and let them at, misbehave and 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 do these things? Or do I say, yeah, I want them arrested. And a lot of times they don't. And I think what happened here is like, she knew that he shouldn't have it obviously. Right. And, mm. and, and wasn't, wasn't mentally, you know, mm-hmm. there. And yet he's bullying her constantly bullying her. And she finally says, okay, I will. And then kind of second guessed and said, well, let me be there because somehow she'll be able to like, you know, control her son, who's obviously she can't control because he's beat the crap out of her before. And, uh, and they're like, no, that's not how it works. Like he, he is legal to buy the firearm. So, um, and I think ultimately- Whether or not she was there or not, he could have purchased the gun on his own. So I don't know necessarily why. Maybe she had the money and he didn't. Um, I I don't know. But it's just, it's unfortunate.
0: I was just thinking too, you know, I mean, obviously gun dealers do have the right to refuse to do business with somebody. Um, You know, I've definitely seen situations. I've been in a store where a, a gun shop owner, you know, said no i'm not i'm i'm i don't feel like doing business with you cuz for whatever reason gave off a weird vibe or something and uh boy i don't know i do have to kind of wonder i mean i'm not saying this guy broke the, this gun shop employee or owner or whoever broke any laws it's just simply that when we talk about responsibility i mean if for some reason we feel like the person we're selling a gun to might be might not be mentally stable or might be inclined you know or prone to violence or might be actually thinking about using you know that gun in a crime uh, for whatever reason. Um, you know we, we should probably look at you know just just I'm just thinking of myself as a potential uh, if I was a if I was a gun dealer like mm-hmm. I don't know I'm not saying this dude is responsible for what happened in Parkland just just you get a phone call from from someone that says hey you know don't don't release this gun to, to Nicholas or there's a problem with him well you as a gun owner you might or as a gun shop owner or employee you might want to actually look into that a little bit or ask him some questions when he comes back now Marky here on on the uh, facebook uh, comments uh, actually said something that that prompted me to, to think it this, this actually makes sense it, this may have been like a layaway type situation where mm-hmm. uh, you know why he had to go back and, and pick up or have the gun released to him is he may have still owed money on the gun and uh yeah i i I've never lay away at a gun, so it's like it doesn't. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't think about that. I don't realize that's that's an option a lot of times at some shops. So, anyway, all right. So let's move on from this story. So, um, but that those are some really interesting things to consider. <sighs> um. Quick couple. I'm going to go through these rapid fire, Matthew. I'm looking at the time. and going. Oh boy. <laughs> so a uh, story from Gallup.com. This is a update to a poll. They they do these polls that, like you know they they poll periodically people on on certain issues, right? And so we can see over time since like the mid 90s, we can see how people have been feeling about the assault weapons ban or or in the case, so it started during the ban. So hey, what's your thought on the ban? Do you think this is a good idea, right? And now it's well, do you think we should ban ass, assault weapons? so-called, right? And uh, so we did see uh, things sort of go back up following the Las Vegas shooting, but uh, meaning that those that are in favor of a ban went up after the Las Vegas situation, but uh, it's basically gone back down to about where it was before at this point is all this is saying, all right? So what it's saying right now is that... um, 40% 40% is the number of people that are for an assault weapon ban at this time. After the Las Vegas shooting, the number the numbers got very close to even. It was like 49 were against and 48 were for an assault weapons ban. But now we have a pretty good disparity as far as it's almost 20%. 57% are against some sort of assault weapons ban and 40% are for. So, mm-hmm. all right. I'm not terribly surprised by that. Uh, gun news news. Guns.news. Actually, I've never been on this site before. I don't. I, I was like, wow, hey, it's a new one. Um, finally, a real use for a crypto coin, meet the gun-friendly crypto. And I, I did see this actually in another article. I didn't think of anything of it at the time. So uh, Mr. Producer Matthew Marist was like, well, this is interesting, so we better talk <laughs> about it. Um, all this is, is, there's a company called um, Original Crypto Coin, and uh, they're they're relaunching their cryptocurrency so we're talking like you know bitcoin basically right but the purpose of this particular cryptocurrency or bitcoin is to be kind of specific to firearm purchases or deals um so you know a firearm friendly form of of payment of exchanging funds essentially Uh, Now, cryptocurrency is still pretty interesting, fairly new, and somewhat controversial for a lot of people. And most people probably don't even know still what it is or even give a crap. (laughs) But it's interesting, right? Because the the nature of cryptocurrency is that it's not tied to a bank. It can't be controlled by a bank. So this could be at least part of the solution in the future that if you have banks, you know, that we've already seen this this year banks and uh, merchant processing companies and things that are trying to make it difficult for gun-related or gun-friendly businesses to do business, well, cryptocurrency could maybe be part of that solution as far as having a way of doing firearm-type business without having any sort of control or or oversight.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm one of those people, I don't know much about like cryptocurrency, but I saw this and it kind of got me reading it. And I said, Oh, you know, that is, that is pretty interesting, especially in the, in the, uh, we're, we're kind of, like you said, these banks are trending in a way to kind of regulate even payment for, um, you know, firearm accessories or, or firearms themselves. So could be interesting. Yep.
0: And then here is a story in our segment we call, what not to do? Burglar wrestles gun from homeowner during attack, Wilson police say. And this happened in Wilson Borough. And I actually don't know what state this is
1: in. They're I so believe it's Connecticut, maybe. Uh, maybe I could be wrong.
0: Easton Area News, Lehigh Valley. Ah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's so we, we go to so many different websites to find these stories, and half the time you forget what site you're on. And, uh, and then half the time, they don't tell you. Actually, more than half the time, they don't tell you. Like, you see all these stories. Well, this happened in such and such city. This happened in such and such town. But nothing on the site says anything about the state that it's in. you Ah, know? uh,
1: Pennsylvania. Oh, okay.
0: So, all right. Wilson Borough, Pennsylvania. All right. Uh, so, basically, what happened is a man broke into an apartment and attacked the armed homeowner, taking the gun and threatening to shoot her. Now, we get a few more details further down. It says that uh, the victim told police that uh, the man, and his name is uh, Falwell, so we'll we'll identify him by Falwell. He's 34 years old. Uh, He broke into her apartment while she and her three children, all under the age of 12, were there. She retrieved her gun from a safe and put it in her sweatshirt pocket. When the victim told Falwell to get out of the apartment, he allegedly began fighting with the woman for the gun. Falwell slammed the woman to the ground and wrestled the gun away, then pointed it at the victim and threatened to shoot her. Apparently the family's oh, and he told and he told her, I will kill you right now. Then the family's dog began attacking him and he threatened to shoot the dog as well. Amazingly though, when officers arrived, they found him just outside, uh, standing outside his car. He seeing the police jumped in his car and took off. They had a little bit of a high speed chase, but they eventually cornered him and, and, and got him caught. Um, He did have some drugs in his possession, et cetera, et cetera. So why is this a what not to do? Well, you have a woman with three children. She has a gun. She has to go and retrieve it. And she knows she has an intruder in her home, but she sticks the gun in her pocket. Now, I'm not saying that's actually necessarily a mistake as far as a tactic. We don't know, like, how close she was to him when she then encounters him. But it sounds to me like she's fairly close. So you know how, because he obviously is able to wrestle with her and take the gun away. So he's got to be close enough to jump in there, grab her, take that gun away. And that's the tactical mistake that is made in this situation. As far as we could tell is that a couple things. I mean, she, she tried to tell him to get out and it may have already passed the point where that was going to, you know, be helpful to the situation. Where she, you know, she's got three kids; she's got to be considering uh, and thinking about as far as their safety. And so, in her, I'm not saying like we should be like automatically just, you know, someone's in my house; I'm automatically going to shoot them, right? Um, depending on the situation, you, it it might be warranted to use verbal commands to try to get that person to leave before using deadly force. But it depends on the situation. But if you're already face to face with a guy. And it seems like he's a threat to you or your family. It's probably a little too late to be using verbal commands, especially when the gun is still tucked away in in, in a pocket, mm-hmm. right? And and then of course we can get into retention techniques with that gun. You know, as far as does she then I'll stretch her hand with the gun, and he's a foot away, and he's able to just step in and grab it. You know, the importance of knowing how to shoot from retention, if if necessary, that that could come into play here. We don't know. We don't have video evidence. We don't have any more details other than what we shared with you, but sounds like there were some tactical errors that, that occurred in the situation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it underscores um the importance of not like I know a lot of people get their concealed carry uh license, and in some states it requires a certain amount of training, and but typically it's not. It's very basic training. And, you know, um, I I think this underscores the importance of getting training outside of just the marksmanship aspect of it. Like I, I've said this plenty of times, um, I think about 99% of like surviving a deadly force incident like this um, comes from your situational awareness, your tactical awareness, your ability to, um, you know, anticipate what's what's going on and or respond to what's going on and actually pulling the trigger and getting a shot on target is probably like one percent of like the whole scenario, you know, Um, and it's not the difficult part. And so getting training where you understand how to create distance or how to get your gun out. Um, in, in, you know, when you're in a close quarters situation or, you know, when not to take it out and try to buy time and things that you can do to try to make distance and, and pick the right time to, to expose your weapon. Um, these types of things can't be taught in at a concealed carry class because there's just not enough time usually. Um, so you gotta get training um and it might seem like a lot of people are like oh i don't need all this tactical training i can shoot a target and i'm good and it's there's so much more that goes into it so unfortunately well fortunately this this turned out okay but it it could have been you know a a quadruple homicide right there with three kids and and a woman and uh, thank god that it didn't yep
0: hey matthew tell us about this uh next this is our first justified save story for today says, uh, he wanted to rape her. Bloomfield father saves daughter from neighbor. And this actually, this one I had to look up. This one is Bloomfield, Connecticut.
1: Mm. Yeah, this is, this is a pretty, pretty interesting, uh, story. So, um, Basically, what happens is there, it's a domestic fight between a man and a woman, and their daughters there as well. Um, it, it, apparently, it's in these this uh, apartment complex or condo complex. It's they're all these homes are very close together, um, and so they're outside and, and they're they're they start uh, arguing the man and the woman, um, and and so basically he starts. The, the husband starts beating, beating up, uh, the woman and the daughter who's there is presumably his own daughter. Um, neighbor comes in says, Hey dude, like stop, g- goes, grabs his gun, comes, uh, comes back and, uh, basically, um, has this guy at gunpoint and says, stop, stop doing what you're doing, or I'm going to shoot you something along those lines. Um, that initially stops the assault. Uh, he says, sit on the curb. Obviously somebody's calling police, pol- waiting for police to arrive. In the meantime, this guy, um, decides, you know what? Uh, I don't care if this guy has a gun or not. And he attacks the guy, uh, comes, comes towards him, um, starts to attack him. And, uh, and the guy, the neighbor with the firearm ends up shooting the guy. Um, so the, the, you know, husband who was assaulting his wife and his kid, um, ends up dying. Um, from all, what was the initial report from police and everything is that this was obviously a, a defensive use of, uh, of a firearm, um, and justifiably. So, um, it, it's, it's interesting that the, the guy was not armed. Um, the guy who, you know, who was ended up being shot, he wasn't armed with any, any weapons. Um, and that, um, he initially complied. And I think that that is something that we all have to understand is that sometimes people comply initially, and then they don't, you cannot fall into a sense of this is over until it's actually over. Um, and, and so sometimes they won't comply. Sometimes they will, but think about this. This guy even had the, the ability to, he, he didn't, he knew the guy had a gun and still said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to attack this guy, whether or not he thought, He was going to get shot and you know uh, shot and killed, or he thought I'm going to wrestle this this gun from this guy because he looks tactically like he doesn't know what he's doing or he doesn't know you know something gave this guy the enough guts and he worked up enough you know guts to say I'm going to do it, and so you have to always. You have to always understand that people that are motivated are not going to be persuaded by, hey, buddy, I got a gun. You better back down, you know, or shot racking of a shotgun. People that are very motivated are not going to to be to back down. There are yeah. people that will. That
0: and some, some of those people may be under the influence of something to where they're not you know, making logical choices based on, you know, oh, this dude's got a gun. You know, most people run away or go, oh, I don't want to get shot, but you're under the influence of PCP or something and it it may not matter.
1: Yeah. And also you have to think about like this, the neighbor comes and he he retrieves his firearm and, and, you know, holds him at gunpoint. But also think of this, when you have a firearm in your hand and somebody doesn't comply, okay, and they attack you, even if they're unarmed, Now it it almost always has to go to a deadly force shooting because I'm not saying it has to, but I'm saying you put yourself you limit your options because now you have a gun in your hand, and so unless you're going to reholster that gun and and fight hand to hand, or you're going to run or or whatever, you you limit your ability to go you know to fight hands on or to you know grapple with this person or do whatever. It almost has to come to um, use of the firearm, and so remember. You know, when you okay. go to f- draw your firearm, you're you're eliminating a lot of your other options right off the bat. And it, it, I'm not saying that that's not appropriate in many t- situations, but if it's not appropriate and you're using the gun to kind of scare somebody, hey, buddy, I got a gun, you better back down or whatever. And they decide, hey, I don't care. Now you're kind of painted yourself in the corner to have it, yeah. you know, and so
0: you got it. Now, unfortunately, Matthew, we got confused about stories. And so you talked about this one actually that happened in Clarksville, Indiana. Uh, but I appreciate a very, very solid analysis of that whole situation. And that's exactly kind of how I saw it. You know, this guy initially complies, but then he then he, then he, he doesn't. So we've got to be ready for that kind of crap, right? And just because yeah. we have a gun does not mean it magically means that – or or makes everybody else comply or, or do whatever, you know, it is that you want them to do. Uh, all right, so we. this is the story uh, that I that I was trying to get at. No problem, bro. bro <laughs> Bloomfield father saves daughter from neighbor. He wanted to rape her, it says. This was in Connecticut. And the uh, story goes that Michael Farrigan, 43, attacked a 30-year-old neighbor. So this is his neighbor. And it gets better than that. Like, they know this guy. And I'll, I'll explain why. She was sitting in, in her car in the driveway. And he opened the door and went from the passenger side and was trying to grab her and telling her he wanted to rape her. She managed to escape and run to the house. Apparently she loses her parents, uh, because she got up to the house and, uh, her, her, her father heard her screams. So he came and the neighbor, so Farragan, tells the dad, I love your daughter. I want to rape your daughter. And then the two of them started wrestling. The, the father now of the daughter called for his wife and said, bring my gun, which she did. And then he was able to get a gun, and he urged his neighbor, Farragon, to leave. And Farragon's first name is Mike. So get this. This is the father of the daughter. I hold the gun in my right hand, this is quoting him, and said, Mike, I don't want to hurt you. Please get off my property. Even with the gun in my hand, I could see that he had no fear. So he that's why I said he knows this dude, because he knows his. Hey, Mike, look, buddy, stop, right? So now the father has no choice, he says, I had no choice then to fire, he said, while well, pointing the gun to the sky, because I didn't want to hurt him, so I fired a shot. So it sounds like he fired a warning shot, and then he said that Farragut initially walked away, but then returned, so he fired a second shot, and then police showed up, and they took the neighbor into custody. So you know what? Crazy story, and the title of this episode today, is, is your neighbor a threat? You know, you got we, <laughs> hopefully not. And hopefully most of us have really good relationships with our neighbors because that's important. And maybe up to this point, they had a good relationship, a positive relationship with this man. But something suddenly changed with him. He became obsessed with his neighbor, neighbor's daughter. And uh, that led him to do some crazy stuff here. But obviously the father here, uh, you know, I I question the warning shots, of course. Obviously we we would have to touch on that. And I I had to think, why was he so inclined to fire the warning shots as opposed to actually shooting – the man in the fence. And I think it's because he knew him and I think he was hesitant to actually shoot some, I think, I, I think he couldn't quite do it is kind of what I'm thinking. I don't know. What do you think, Matthew?
1: Yeah, it, it was, it could have been that, uh, it also, maybe he, maybe he just couldn't really justify the, you know, that like this guy, I'm not saying that, um, what he's saying and what he's trying to do isn't justification to, to for self defense and use of a gun. I'm not saying that, but in, maybe in this situation, his daughter, maybe he had gotten to a safe distance where even though this guy was saying this, he, he, the father felt like he's not going to be able to rape my daughter. I just need to get him out of here because he's, he's going crazy and I don't want him to like break into the house. Yeah. So maybe he just felt like i want to scare him away and that's that's an it's kind of a bad thing right like um so it's you know he had const- he had restraint which was good like there's plenty of people i know and I, I not personally but like i know because i've read comments um at least this is what they would say they would do that anybody that did what this guy is claimed to have done would have shot him whether he was running away whether he was there whatever he just you know, blow the guy away and have no remorse about it. And I think that's the wrong, uh, you know, reaction too. So I think he showed some restraint and, you know, understanding and clarity of the situation and said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm assessing this. Is this guy necessarily a threat? I need to shoot. Maybe not. And then he goes into like, well, what are my other options? Well, I can't push this guy. I can't overpower him physically. So I'll scare him away and I'll shoot a round into the sky, which is obviously not safe and not the right thing to do. So I think it kind of goes to that point where like he had his gun and he's like, ah, what am I going to do? And uh, I can't shoot the guy maybe. A- and so. Um, yeah. In most you know,
0: states, by the way, most states, uh, deadly force is, is authorized in the event, you know, for, for stopping sexual crimes mm-hmm. uh, like this, like an attempted rape, uh, so he's you know, and then the man continues to come after her and comes after her father, and so like I, I think he is completely justified to use potentially deadly force in this case. He just couldn't do it. it this is a really important clarification from uh, the uh, uh, Bloomfield police detectives. They actually had to call and confer with the state attorney's office to uh, ask about the situation in this. In the the state attorney general. Uh, his office uh said that they will not be charging uh filing charges against the man for discharging the weapon into the air that is really fortunate for him okay because i think even though he was justified to do so as far as like fire his gun in the you know in, in self-defense against this man firing in the way he did could have endangered the life of someone else well it definitely and, endangered
1: and, their life yeah it, and, it didn't result in you know an injury right. but it definitely endangered exactly. You know, I mean, if I was the guy's neighbor and he's cranking off rounds into the sky and my kids are outside or, you know, I'm like, it's definitely endangering my, you know, um, whether or not she ends up yeah. getting struck by a bullet you know that falls back down.
0: If you're, if, it sounds like he was outside.
1: Mm-hmm. If you're
0: going to fire warning shots, fire them off into the ground.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know? if you have to,
0: right. But <laughs> if, <laughs> I'm saying if you're going to do it, right. not that not you sh- not that you should. I don't really encourage. I don't, I can't. Still, really, ever think of a good situation where a warning shot ever makes sense? But if you were going to do it in the ground, all right. (laughs) We got to move on. I got because I got (laughs) I got to leave for my meeting here. Last story because I we we, I'd cut it short, but we can't cut this one out. Bend, man. This is Bend, Oregon. Shot neighbor who killed roommate and then hunted him down. Save the best for last. This is insane. Bend, Oregon, it says here, uh, this man shot and killed his next door neighbor who entered his house early Saturday and awakened his roommate. This is this is a hard story to wrap your head around. So let me try to simplify it. Here's what happens. There's two 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 adult men that live in a home. Uh, they're roommates. A neighbor, like I think literally next door neighbor, he comes. So one of those two men is away at work. The other man is there sleeping in his bedroom. The neighbor comes over, comes into the house, into the bedroom of the sleeping man, and awakens the man. Okay. And he's just standing there, apparently. And so the man that's sleeping in the bedroom, and he's, by the way, he's the good guy. Okay. The neighbor that came into the house, he's, he's, and he's obviously, you know, broken into the house. He is, he's, he's the bad guy here. But so the man sleeping is awakened and he says, get out of here. Right. So the man leaves and so this man is like holy crap that was crazy that was our neighbor he calls his his roommate who's at work the roommate comes home and they are standing in the living room talking about the whole situation cops have been called all this stuff right they're sit they're in the living room talking And the neighbor that came into the house earlier now comes out of his house again, stands in front of the living room window, can see the two of them inside there talking. He has an AR-15 in his hands and starts firing through the window, strikes and kills the man that he initially woke up in his bedroom sleeping earlier. The other roommate who had come home from work runs upstairs to his bedroom to grab his gun. The neighbor, the bad guy with the AR-15, comes into the house and begins searching room by room for the other roommate. He f- eventually finds him in the master bedroom, and the other roommate uses a 9 millimeter pistol and sh- and puts him down, shoots and kills the neighbor. Nuts. Holy smokes. So when yeah. I talked about, we had this home defense course coming up, um, yeah. This is like worst case scenario times five. You know, what I mean, like, <laughs> there's so much wrong that happens here. As far as like, you just can't make this stuff up. This is so crazy. There, I, I I I'm I was reading this. And I'm like, I can't even imagine. I mean, they had they never had, as far as they know, any negative altercation or problems with this neighbor. They knew him generally, but I don't think they were like friends necessarily. None of these, n- nobody involved in the situation had any sort of criminal record, right? Out of the blue, as far as we know, crazy. Now this guy had a nine millimeter pistol up against an AR-15. That's Mm -hmm. that's a big time mismatch. Like you're going to lose that fight a lot of times if you're not careful. If you don't have really solid tactics. And I think what, what happened here is this guy had really good tactics. He retreated to his bedroom. He got his gun and he then waited. He in other words we Jacob and I have talked about this this concept we call isolate the family, defend the room. There's no family to isolate here, but you 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 get to a safe room and you defend there. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times you have a more of a tactical advantage in those types of situations. That guy's eventually he's searching the house. He eventually he's got to come through through the door into your room and you could take up a position where, you know, you you know where he's going to be when he shows up in that doorway. He's funneled th- Through that doorway, you've got the advantage most of the time in these kind of situations. That's the idea, and that's the way I think this probably went down, and how this guy was able to survive and save his life.
1: Yeah, exactly the same thing. I was thinking is like you know the mismatch of of firearm, you know, um, and his ability to to find a spot tactically where he could defend himself. And give himself a shot, right? Because if he would have just ran down there and guns ablazing, trying to duke it out or, you know, shoot it out with this guy, no doubt that he, I mean, he runs out of ammunition sooner. He has less, you know, um, less ability to, 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 um, put accurate shots. I mean, a rifle is tremendously accurate, follow up shots and, and, and all that. Um, so he's, he's outgunned. He's out, you know, uh, capacity as far as ammunition capacity, but, what he did have was he had the right mentality and the right tactics and he had a position of advantage. and, 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 And it just goes to show you, you know, how difficult it is. Even if you're in your own home, you know, your own home better than anybody else. But even if you're in your own home and you're searching for somebody who might be in your home with a firearm and you're searching them out, how difficult it is to, to, to know exactly where that person is. And they, they, most likely will have the jump on you yep. um, so it's always it's always a scary thing
0: you got it good stuff man crazy story uh, awesome I, I, this is one of those that definitely gets bookmarked and saved for me I have a special folder for you know just stories that really really drive certain points home and this one definitely has some some key things to it that uh, I intend to to remember and probably will come back to and refer a, a number of times so anyway, in fact, you know what, boy, I know this is, it's always sensitive because it's, you know, you, you, you don't want to like torture people that have been through something like, but I'd really like to get this guy on the podcast and talk to him. Yeah. If he would yeah. like that, wouldn't that be something? I don't know. We'll have to see. Well, we got to let you go. I got to run. Uh, Matthew, thanks so much for being a part of this this morning. And uh, thanks to everyone, our listeners, our Facebook viewers, everyone for being, being with us as well. Thank you so much. Um, we will uh, let you go. And so just a reminder, go, go check supply Um Yeah, we uh, love those guys over there. They're doing really great stuff. So thanks so much, everyone. We will sign out. Take care. And a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true.